Welcome to Better Animal Handling, Chapter 1, Episode 1. Center of Missouri, USA. I'm C.B. Chastain, your guide to better animal handling, and Abby, my cattle dog and diligent co-host. Say hi, Abby. Our goals are to improve your knowledge of why domestic animals from chihuahuas to Clydesdales act as they do and how to better handle them safely and humanely. Today's chapter is on human-animal relationships, and good animal handling. Our topics for this week are domestication of animals, declining quality of animal handling, and types of handlers. It would be fascinating to know when, with whom, and where did most of the better animal handling techniques originate. Nearly all are lost in history and their contributions may be hundreds or thousands of years old. Society's at a critical point now that risks the loss of humane, effective, and safe methods of animal handling. Throughout the more than 14,000 years of domesticated animal handling, the benefits of good handling practices for the animal and for the handler were obvious, not only to handlers, but also to observing public. Beginning in 1850 with the Second Industrial Revolution and accelerated by the use of the automobile in the early 1900s, people have become more detached from working with animals. A disconnect has developed between the decision makers and those who actually handle animals in general society. For example, 95% of the U.S. population is three or more generations removed from farm or ranch living. In this and episodes to come, I'll describe the handling of all types of domestic animals and a few that are not domesticated but still kept as pets. Abby often says it's like in the movie Smoking the Bandit. We have a long way to go and a short time to get there. How an animal reacts to handling is not just the handler and the technique being used. The animal response to handling also depends on its age, sex, breed, its health, the weather, its body conformation, how it observed its mother react to handling, its early socialization to humans prior to puberty, its past handling experiences, and how long its species has been domesticated. Domestication includes a selective breeding for individuals who adapt well to being around humans and being handled. It's a process in which an animal species is habituated to survive in the persistent company of human beings. They're selectively bred for human-desired disposition, appearance, food and fiber production, and workability. Prior to the domestication of the dog, Animal-human interactions were hunter-prey. Animal handling and restraint began with the domestication of the dog, which is estimated to have occurred about 14,000 years ago. 
The next animals lived dependent on the care of humans were goats about 12,000 years ago, sheep 11,000 years ago, followed by cattle and swine, which were both around 10,000 years ago. The cat may have been domesticated in approximately 9,500 years ago, before the donkey 7,000 years ago, and the horse 5,500 years ago. Chickens, llamas, and alpacas were domesticated at the same approximate time as horses. The turkey, guinea pig, and rabbit were domesticated about 900 years ago, 1,100 years ago, and 500 years ago, respectively. Other animals, such as reptiles, birds, and rodents, are contained and handled by humans, but they're not domesticated. They may be tamed individually and made tolerant of being handled. Domesticated species can be made tolerant of the presence of humans much easier. In general, domesticated animals are safer to handle than tamed, non-domesticated animals. Effective, safer animal handling and restraint has therefore evolved over approximately 14,000 years. The basic principle of handling animals is well established. Restraint as little as possible, but persist and do as much as it takes as long as it's safe and humane. Excessive, unnecessary restraint or initial failure will be magnified as greater resistance by the animal to handling in the future. The reasons to handle animals include physical examination, preventative, medical, or surgical treatments, grooming, training, recreation, and companionship. Carnivores are prey animals that can be handled individually without others of their species being present. Herd animals are handled with less stress if they're allowed to remain in a group or in near proximity to a group. Many animals become bonded to a handler and a level of bilateral trust is established. Older animals that have had several general handlers often transfer their trust in their past handlers to a new handler. Because of these situations of mutual trust, it's common to see handlers put themselves in harm's way with animals trusted to be well-behaved. For example, horse handlers may walk under the lead rope of a tied horse. Although this is extremely dangerous, the handler has become lulled into a false sense of safety. Giving into a false sense of security and not always exercising basic precautions is the major reason for handler injuries. All animals that are not properly socialized to humans early in life or are subjected to circumstances where they feel pain or being endangered can injure handlers out of an attempt to escape or defend themselves. Good animal handlers remain safer by not taking unnecessary chances with dogs that are said to never bite and horses that never kick and similar injury traps. So remember, Abby, you cannot train a cat or a gerbil to herd cattle like you do, in part because cats and gerbils have not been domesticated as long as dogs have. Good handling of animals is declining. Good handlers know the animals that they're to handle. They become familiar with the animals in their care including the normal habits of eating, drinking, sleeping, urinating, defecating, and exercising, so that problems can be identified early 
and corrected when possible. Handling animals in seclusion without public visibility by employees or agents of owners fosters an environment that allows a decline of good animal handling. Several states in the United States have passed ag-gag laws which protect handlers of livestock from public scrutiny of inhumane handling of animals. Shielding of animal handling occurs with both livestock and companion animals. Some examples include animal trainers who require appointments for owners to see training practices, veterinary hospital personnel who remove dogs and cats from their owner's observation to provide non-emergency handling exams and treatments, close confinement of livestock and poultry that prohibit public observation, state laws that prohibit photographs of animals in confinement, Extreme confinement of production animals began in the U.S. with chickens in the 1930s. Prior to that time, food animals had never been subjected to extreme confinement in the history of domestic animals. The move from small farms to industrial-level raising of livestock has exacerbated the desensitization of handlers to how animals are confined and handled. Ironically, raising of animals with low Physical and mental stress have repeatedly been shown to result in faster gains of productivity. However, since higher expenses in facilities and labor costs offset some of the gains in productivity, this pressure for extreme confinement persists. In the past few years, public knowledge of the disadvantages of raising animals in extreme confinement has grown. As a result, Burger King became the first U.S. corporation to announce it would begin switching to cage-free eggs and gestation crate-free pork. Similar actions by Safeway, Kroger, Oscar Mayer, McDonald's, and other food companies have later followed the lead by Burger King. Smithville Foods and Tyson Fresh Meats announced proactive plans to improve hog housing and handling. The best and only meaningful source of evidence for good animal handling, restraint, or confinement is what the animal reveals by their behavior when the handling and restraint are repeated or persists. If the behavior is unnatural, that is, stereotypic or exaggerated fear, poor handling or restraint methods have taken place. Stereotypic behaviors are unnatural, repetitive, purposeless movements caused by excessive confinement and include pacing, weaving, chewing cages or stalls, and self-mutilation, among others. Unnatural behavior as a result of poor handling, restraint, or confinement should be among the primary means of assessing the need for improved management of animals, along with the number of animals demonstrating excessive lameness, external injuries, and vocalizations. Animal welfare is the state of the animal and how it is coping with the conditions in which it lives. When humans domesticated animals, they took on the responsibilities to provide shelter, food, and painless death. Fulfilling these responsibilities have been erratic. In the 1700s, animals were not believed to have a soul and therefore did not have feelings. Only the ability to work or produce food and fiber were used as indicators of sufficient welfare. 
The first law to protect animals from abuse did not exist until 1822, and this was the act to prevent cruel and improper treatment of cattle, which was passed in Britain. The American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals was later established in 1866. And in 1915, the Mayo Clinic became the first U.S. institution to have a veterinarian oversee the care of its research animals. In the 1960s, due to pressure for humane handling of production animals stemming from Ruth Harrison's book, Animal Machines, the British government commissioned the Bramble Report on Intensive Animal Production. In 1965, the commission listed five freedoms that animals should be insured. Those freedoms are a suitable environment, a suitable diet, the ability to exhibit normal behavior, the need for animals to be housed with or apart from other animals, and the protection from pain, suffering, injury, and disease. The five freedoms are currently used to assess animal welfare by the World Organization for Animal Health. In the U.S., provisions for the ability to exhibit normal behavior are not always provided for protection animals, that is, livestock and poultry. In some cases, Farm animal welfare has been erroneously evaluated by producer groups solely on whether the animal is able to grow or produce milk sufficient to meet the producer's expectations. What are the types of handlers in handling? The need to handle animals varies and the approach varies with the need. Pet owners and stockmen have the luxury of time to potentially develop a relationship and trust with their animals. These handlers are at some disadvantage in handling new animals because they don't see the range of behaviors that animals of the same species can exhibit, nor the change that can be caused by illness or injury, as do veterinarians and veterinary technicians. Pet owners and stockmen are more likely to drift to an extreme of either ignoring potential dangers of handling animals or exaggerating the potential danger. Animal handlers do not benefit anyone or any animal by using inappropriate or unnecessary restraint on an animal. This raises the questions, what is the inappropriate and unnecessary handling? And what are appropriate and needed alternatives? Uh, we'll look into the answers to these questions next time. Now, let's recap the key points to remember from today's episode. How long a species has been domesticated affects its ability to be handled. Knowledge and skills for good animal handling practices are becoming lost, and allowing animal handling without public scrutiny enables inhumane practices. Animal handlers must avoid overconfidence in handling seemingly gentle animals and avoiding over-restraint of seemingly resistant animals. Heavy says it's time to wrap up this episode. More information on animal handling is available in my book, Animal Handling and Physical Restraint, published by CRC Press. It's also available on Amazon and from other fine book supply sources. Many thanks are owed to Lynn Velios, who drew the excellent illustrations for my book. Don't forget, serious injury or death can result from handling and restraining some animals. 
Safe and effective handling and restraint requires experience and continual practice. Acquisition of the needed skills should be under the supervision of an experienced animal handler. Thanks for listening. Abby and I hope that you'll come back next week when I'll talk about the art of firm kindness. Hey, Abby, what's next on our list of chores? Okay, we'll pick up feed for the horses. Hey, don't forget, I'm driving this time. <laughs> <laughs>